Hello. Before we get down to cinema, I would like to draw your attention to our Patreon. Regular listeners will know that these podcasts are supported by Quad, our home cinema in Derby, UK. But as Quad is a charity, we want to make Cinelet as self-sustainable as possible. So, to that end, we have set up a two-tier way in which you can support Cinelit. For our 35mm Cinefans, you'll get a bonus additional episode each month where we will be deep diving into an area of cinema that will be exclusive to Patreon subscribers for at least six months before it arrives like a late dinner guest on the regular feed. Plus, you get the episodes a week in advance of the main feed release. But if you want to support us and don't feel that pressing need to have the additional podcast each month, but still want that warm, satisfying feeling of being part of the Cinelit success story then you can become an 8mm Cinefan, where you can donate and get our heartfelt thanks. Head over to the Patreon page and subscribe if you can. However, we know that times are hard at the moment, so please do not feel you need to subscribe if you are not able. We'll still be putting out new, free-to-listen-to episodes on a regular basis throughout the year. Now let's get back to your regular scheduled broadcast. Welcome to CineLit. Today we are looking forwards and backwards by turning our eye to the character Erwin M. Fletcher, a.k.a. Fletch. First introduced by novelist Gregory MacDonald in his novel in 1974, the book series will go on to encompass nine official Fletch books, 11 if you count the two Son of Fletch books, between the years 1974 and 1994. In 1985, Chevy Chase stepped into the sneakers of the Los Angeles journalist for the first of two cinematic outings in Fletch and Fletch Lives in 1989. And now for the looking forward part. Filming has begun on a new adaptation of the second Fletch book, Confless Fletch, starring John Hamm as Erwin Morris Fletcher. My name is Adam Marsh. I am joined by Cinelit's resident expert, Daryl Buxton. How are you, Daryl? I'm good, thanks, Adam. Yeah, uh, thinking back to uh, a, a podcast we did some time ago um, on uh, 80s American comedies, and um, we talked then a lot about, um, you know, the John Belushi's and Dan Aykroyd's and John Candy's. So it'll be a nice chance to talk about one of their contemporaries here. Absolutely. And continuing that line of thoughts of 80s um, comedies podcast that we recorded. We have invited director and producer and 80s film enthusiast, Dominic Burns. Uh, how are you, Dom? I'm great. I'm stoked to get to be on the podcast again. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an official fan. So the fact I get to come on and chat with you boys is great. It's great fun. Cool. So we're talking Fletch. Um, I'm assuming you've seen these movies, Dom, being an 80s film fan. I'd uh, be very upset if you hadn't. Seen them many times. In fact, watched them both uh, very recently, so didn't need to rewatch them for this podcast. Uh, Daryl, are you a fan of the films? So-so. Uh, um, they, I, I saw them when they came out, and they, they, they weren't quite my cup of tea. Chevy Chase, I've always had a little bit of a problem with. He's not been my favourite of, of that, uh, that gang of uh, Saturday Night Live era comics. And um, but I watched the films again more recently, and I, I I think as we've had stuff like Inherent Vice and The Big Lebowski in the intervening years, I can sort of see where these films now now fit into uh, you know what you might call modern American 
crime cinema or modern American detective cinema. And I suppose it goes back a little bit to um, uh, Elliot Gould in The Long Goodbye, who we talked about in the Robert Altman uh, podcast. So, yeah, Fletch is growing on me. I think Fletch is definitely in in with that sort of like Beverly Hills cop gang of style of a, a, a relatively serious movie with a comedian in the in, in the lead role. I mean, Fletch is probably more comedy leaning than Beverly Hills Cop is, but um, you know, uh, with, particularly with the, the the special effects and the makeup effects that Chevy Chase does in those movies, it's it's um, it does lean towards more comedy, which. It is a slight departure from the original books, but but Fletch was a big success. I mean, it balanced out a really nice mix between the the Saturday Night Live Chevy Chase and the movie star Chevy Chase, and managed yeah. to bring the two yeah. together. Made him a big star in Britain. Well, that's it. Yeah, but I argue it's most of his, his most coherent movie at that point, where he actually managed to bottle something of his charisma and something of his of his, his cinema character, I guess, that Chevy Chase has um, yeah. in a big way. Certainly made him a big, big star over here in, in the UK, I think, because uh, as, we, as we've said on previous podcasts, um, Saturday Night Live wasn't a thing over here. You know, it's huge in the States, but this was in the days when we had three TV channels and there were imported American programmes, but nothing like Saturday Night Live was coming over. Uh, and the big talk shows weren't coming over here. You know, we we didn't sort of know who Johnny Carson and David Letterman and people like that were. So American comedy um, at that sort of level was was sort of almost unknown in 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 Britain up up to the eighties and maybe maybe beyond. We were discovering people like Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Belushi through through the movies that came over here, and Chevy Chase often did sort of supporting roles and was a sort of face that was known to British audiences. This was his big breakthrough here. This was where he became a, a, a European star as well as an American star. Yeah, because because Chase had, I mean, I, mean, I would argue that his character in Foul Play is similar. It's almost like, uh, like the, you know, like the blueprint of the character he plays in Fletch. But of course, that film didn't land in the same way. And I think it's um, it is actually quite interesting because Adam, coincidentally, like uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, we were having this this conversation in that the first Fletch film is actually quite a serious film in many ways, and it's an incredibly interesting um, proposition that it sets out at the beginning of the film. You know, you know, Fletch is hired by somebody to kill them. I mean, that's yeah, that's that's what, very interesting. What a one line plot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and of course the beach setting, the drugs on the beach, and everything. And so uh, you know, in much in the way that. Um, Beverly Hills Cop was originally going to be a Sylvester Stallone vehicle. You could absolutely have seen Fletch being played by somebody straight down the line with it. Admittedly, the disguise stuff, that's the only real kind of discrepancy there. But maybe they'd have leaned away from that were it not for such a comedic actor. But other than that, in terms of the plot of Fletch, you could it could have it could have been played much more straight. I mean, for me, I think it's so much more fun to have those comedy elements in it. And I think actually, as much as I genuinely enjoy the sequel. Um, that you know that that tonal difference, whereas the sequel kind of led too far into the comedy and 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 didn't have anything like as good a plot as the first one. That was the, you know that was the the big difference between the two films. So yeah, I think um, it, it it definitely seems to me as that that first Chevy Chase the, the Chevy Chase vehicle that really got him going away from the the small screen because even to this day I would argue that Saturday Night Live isn't 
it's nothing compared to over here. I mean, we're aware of it over here, but we're nowhere near aware of it. Um, the only reason we know so many of the Saturday night alumni is because they are usually in massive hit comedies, which is how we yeah, know them yeah. over here. Yeah. Now you, you talked about the, um, the, the, the casting of, of Chase there, Dom, and, uh, and, and how that possibly may have sort of affected or altered the tone of what this movie was going to be. Because I know that they were talking to Jeff Bridges about this, who, who oh. might well have been might well have been a sort of Elliot Gould in Long Goodbye sort of character. And we saw elements of that in Big Lebowski later on. But Adam, you you were mentioning to me that one or two other names were, were connected with the party. Yeah, I mean, the, the producer of this was Peter Douglas, um, Kirk Douglas's son, Michael Douglas's brother. And he'd had a few hits in the early 80s, the, um, the Final Countdown um, and a couple of others. And he uh, read the book in 1974 and immediately wanted to make it. And was just trying to go on. It took him about 10 years. And he kind of like followed the rights. You know, the rights would get sold occasionally. And then he'd go and find the next guy and go, hey, do you want to make a Fletch film? You're on the rights now. I, I'm, I'm up for doing that. And it, and it just couldn't work. And at one point, it got sold to um, a British record company. And they wanted Mick Jagger in the role or David oh, Bowie. God. And and he was just like, oh, I'm not sure about that. And then and they were like, no, you're right, actually. You know, you, you're right. It's ridiculous. But, you know, so they were briefly mentioned as potential potential Irwin M. Fletchers. Did they ever offer it to Michael Keaton, did they? No, no, they didn't, no. Um, I think it was, I think a lot of the names were mentioned. I think Chevy Sorry, Chase. Michael Douglas, my apologies. Mike, his brother, the obvious. No, Michael Douglas liked it and won, because uh, 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 he read it and he, he liked it. And but he was like, it's not for me, but it's it's it, it's a goer, you know. He kept getting turned down by different studios, and Michael Douglas kept saying to, uh, to Peter Brooks as well, "There's a hit here. There is a hit here in this film." You know, I'm I'm not sure it's not for Michael Douglas. I, I can I can see him as this at that yeah, time. I can see him as this character. Well, I think that, but I I think he thought it wasn't for him. I think more than yeah, anything. Yeah. But I think the only person they actually offered it out to was Chevy Chase. But I think it went through the mill of like tentatively sounding out other people if they'd be interested kind of thing. But once Chevy came on board, I think also also the author had final say on casting when he sold the rights. So he could he could kibosh anybody that they uh, he didn't think was right for the role. And well, that's um, interesting because I've not I've not actually you're the expert on the books, Adam. I've never read the, the books. I'm embarrassed to say, but the um, you were saying that actually Chevy Chase is actually quite different to the Fletch character in the books. It's very is, interesting yeah. that the author gave his okay. No, but yeah, yeah, I guess potentially. I mean, I, I, I think maybe he had final rights, but ultimately he wasn't the kind of author who was like he must be played by this person. Um, it, it was just a case of like, oh yeah, no, he kind of fits. He he he'd work, you know. I think I it think wasn't the, different like the Tom Cruise Jack Reacher difference. Oh no 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 no! It wasn't anything like that. It was more a case of like I think I think the dry humour is in there, which I think is probably what made made him think Chevy Chase would be a good fit. You know, the dry sardonic humour is in the books. Um, the book character is very much much more amoral, much more ethically loose, I guess. Um, 
Can you give us an example? Well, oh, he hates his ex-wives to, 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 to a borderline misogynistic manner, I think. Um, he's, he's been hounded by his ex-wives all the time. We, you kind of get a little bit of that in the movie with his ex-wife chasing him up for alimony and his a lawyer and all that kind of thing. You get that in the movie, but it's much more played for laughs and it's much more like, you know, yeah, you know, I'll sort it. He's like, he's just dodging payment. He's not being malicious. Whereas in the books, it's much more of a case of like, she left him because he was horrible <laughs> to her and now he won't pay alimony. You know, it's, it's more those kind of things. Um, so is, is, the, is, the, is the script of the first movie sort of close to the plot of, of one of the novels? Because as, as Dom said, it's absolutely ingenious, this, this, this sort of central core idea. Like the central premise is exactly the same uh, of the book about Fletch being approached on the beach and uh, being asked to um, to kill someone. That's the basic premise. The fact that it's, it's the first hundred words or so, they're all dialogue. I mean, all these Fletch books are quite dialogue heavy um, and they're written with a really sharp eye on dialogue. So, the- so it's like sort of film, film noir voiceover style then, on, in print. No, not so much dialogue. No, 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 no. There's, as in there's a lot of actual dialogue. Not, right, not, right. The, not first person. Oh, actual, actual conversation. Yeah, con- it's very yeah, conversational yeah. dialogue. Yeah. You know, in that respect, the first hundred words or so of the of the book, so it's basically just a, di- a, a series of dialogue. It's what's your name, Fletch? What's your full name, Fletcher? What's your first name, Irwin? What, Irwin? Irwin M. Fletcher. People call me Fletch. And then straight away, Irwin Fletcher, I have a proposition to make you. I will give you a thousand dollars just for just listening to it. If you decide to reject the proposition, you take the thousand dollars, go away, and never tell anyone we talked. Fair enough. Is it criminal? I mean, what do you want me to do? Of course. Fair enough. For a thousand dollars, a thousand bucks, I can listen. What do you want me to do? I want you to murder me. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. You know, it's just like boom, absolutely boom, boom. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. yeah, what a star. Who, who doesn't want to know what happens yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is, isn't it? It's such a great hook wow. for, for a book and, and, and subsequently for a movie, you know, at the end of that first act, first act turning point sort of thing, boom, 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 I want you to murder me. It's, oh, yeah. And, and, and it's all dialogue, that. All dialogue. No, no, no. Yeah bits in between where it describes what's happening, you know, dialogue, dialogue, dialogue. And, and the books are very similar to that, particularly the early ones. That sounds really sort of daring and very, very sort of punchy as well, you know. Yeah, I think they were, I think they were fairly similar to the Spencer novels, the crime novels. I think there's been a this one on Netflix have just made a movie with Matt Wahlberg uh, in the character. Did Jason Statham, uh, did Jason Statham do that character at one point? No, Jason Statham did the Parker uh, oh, sorry. Yes, yeah. Matt Wahlberg did the Spencer thing recently. Yeah, I saw it. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that was a long-running book of, of detective crime novel type things, uh, high on high on dialogue, you know, low on description. But yeah, but the Fletch books were, were immediately popular in '74. There'd been six books before the film came out, so it was fairly well established as a character um, already going in. So I think maybe there was some backlash. When the film came out, that it wasn't quite as amoral and gritty as I mean, gritty with a small G, but you know, as it yeah, because I, I suppose you 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 cast Chevy Chase and you you get really the the sort of character that I I wasn't into as a viewer at that time, which is why it's taken me a while to sort of warm to the films. You know, he's this sort of super confident 
uh, sort of slick, fast-talking, uh, snappy retorts to everything, you know, bang, 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 like that. And uh, perfect for Chevy, but but not not my kind of character, really, or wasn't my kind of character. I, I have sort of grown to like those sort of figures more over the years. Softened, Daryl. So, You've softened. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> or or I've, 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 I've become more responsive, I think, to that type of American comedy. And, and yeah, as I say, it's been interesting to see the influence of this type of character on films that have come along since, like Inherent Vice and so on. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and, and this, this, this sort of bum detective idea. I mean, it's, it's so great that, that he, he, he seems to sort of, his life seems to sort of revolve around the beach in this first movie. And I think this whole, the whole beach community is fantastic. I, it's my favourite sort of element of the film is the, the, the guys that he meets there. Um, we, we, there's, there's George Went from, from Cheers playing the, the sort of guy in the, in the shack. Um, you've, you've got these, these guys who seem to be the sort of cleanest bunch of heroin, the most likable bunch of heroin addicts you'll ever see, you know. But it, it, it sort of plays quite nicely, you know. It's completely unrealistic, but it, it plays nicely. They're good characters, and they have a good relationship with, with Chevy's character, I think. I really do like that. They're my favourite scenes. There was some backlash by, by the studios over the drugs uh, angle to it because there was a lot of drugs storylines in the mid 80s you know it's like hollywood was being flooded by cocaine at that time so you know it's not surprising there was a lot of uh, drug smuggling dramas uh, knocking around and they felt like this one making light of it was not as not as impactful that was the, the point i was thinking in the, in that um in the in terms of the light tone it's i find it quite interesting and again to make that comparison between between this and beverly hills cop which isn't which isn't an obvious comparison, but I think it works in the sense that I would argue that Beverly Hills Cop could have been a very forgettable movie were it not for Eddie Murphy. If you think about the actual content of Beverly Hills Cop, it is very ABC. It's very sort of standard stuff. And it's very much Eddie Murphy that lifts that into something magical. And don't get me wrong, you know, there's some cracking uh, supporting performers as well, you know, the great villain and uh, and, and obviously Judge Reinhold, et cetera. But, um, but with, with Fletch you've actually got a really fascinating, intricate plot and, and it could have worked in, you know, all sorts of different, you know, they could have applied a different tone to it, a completely different tone to it. It could have been deadly serious. It could have even gone down something as serious as Panic in Needle Park, if you think about it. Yeah, it actually yeah. could have gone down that way. Or, and, and so I can understand the, um, I can, you know, it, it makes sense that the studio would have felt a little uncomfortable at the lightness of touch that, a, that a, quite a gritty subject was given. But they obviously, I think they pulled it off magnificently. But you can understand the studio being a little unnerved by it. Yeah, yeah, no, de- definitely. And, and and I think that's one of the problems. It got it, it it went through quite a lot of script changes. So you had the original screenwriter who came on board, wrote his version of the film, which was slightly different to the, to the novel, and uh, particularly with regards to the dialogue, because the books are quite dialogue heavy, as we said. He rewrote them because he felt like well. It's his dialogue, it's his tone, it's his... But I, I need to write it for what I'm going to write. It's my dialogue for the scene. So he lifted some of it over what mainly was his own dialogue, still keeping the same witty, uh, sardonic um, uh, repartee that he's known for. And then he left and went and did directing another job. Um, and they brought in another screenwriter who did some stuff. And then the other guy got fired off his project. 
whilst they were shooting Fletch, and he came back on Fletch, and, ke- and he said he, he, he described it saying like, it's like dial a joke. I'm in New York, they're shooting in LA, and occasionally I get a phone call saying we need a scene set in an airport <laughs> for Chevy. Um, can you write something? And then he okay, and he writes something and faxes it over, and then it's in the movie. You know, it's like <laughs> just like I've seen this great airport hangar. Like so, that whole scene in the airport hangar where he's got the fake teeth and doing the whole thing. That was, that was just that literally written two or three days before he shot it. So, Do you know what the other project was the writer was on that he got fired on? I do. It was um, Andrew Bergman, who was the screenwriter, who's also directed other stuff as well. He's, he directed... Uh, Undercover Blues. Undercover and, uh, Blues, uh, The, oh, yeah, the Freshman. Yeah. Marlon Brando. Yeah. Oh, I love did a, did a couple, of, a couple of Nicolas Cage movies. Honeymoon uh, in Vegas, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah and, and it, it could happen to you as well with Cage, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can. It's funny because he, he directed striptease as well. Like you just said that, yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's very similar. It's in the same vein and same world uh, as Fletch inhabits. There's sort of like Kyle Hyatt. I mean, you know, this this is this is this is one of those films that's made in the eight, made in the mid eighties, and and you watching it today looks like it. You know, it's really representative. Of, of its time and its era, I think. Um, I mean, obviously, to 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 add to that, we've got we've got Harold Faltermeyer uh, providing oh, the score yeah. as well for, for this for this and next time. So, uh, um, and again, you know, it's just got those eighties synths all over it. So, uh, yeah, the it. the soundtrack is great. Yeah, the soundtrack yeah, is amazing. great. Really elevate elevates it. Um, yeah, and and of course connects it with with stuff like Beverly Hills Cop there in a big way. So yeah, yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah, it's so I can I can hear that soundtrack. Oh, I love it. You sort of get the sense with Harold Faltermeyer that he 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 knew that he was in a sort of bubble that that he, you know people were coming to him saying you know we 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 want you for our movie and there is this sense that comes through in the music that right this is my moment you know people are probably not going to be asking me to do this in 15, 20 years' time. This this is what I can do, and I'm going to whack the hell out of this now for the next two or three years. And, and you know, he really made his reputation, I think, across a few films in a short space of time. I hope they nod to the soundtrack in the new one. I really do. I hope they, they've got to. Oh, you've, they've got to you've, at least got nod to, to it. You've got to, yeah. Yeah, yeah I got, it'd be interesting to see how they do that um, with the new film. We'll, we'll talk about that later, but... Uh, just just for completeness, but the movie that Andrew Bergman was fired off was a movie called Big Trouble. It was replaced by John Cassavetes uh, directing. He had Peter Falk and Alan Arkin in it, so yeah. he was fired off that <laughs> and came back to Fletch and became a dialer joke kind of guy on the rest <laughs> of that movie. Yeah, so 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 Fletch Fletch. Let's go back 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 to what we're talking about Fletch. Ingredients are all there. It, it kind of for me, it, it's that perfect balance between the Chevy Chase and the music and the seriousness of the plot. And then when you move it on to, it's a very fine balance. It's a very fine collection of ingredients that you need to have to create that type of movie. Mm. And then when we get to Fletch Lives five years later, the balance is off for me. The, the, the yeah, ingredients yeah. are not quite there. They're not quite, not quite. Well, I think it's, it's, it's more of a throwaway. I, I really enjoy the, um, Fletch lives because I enjoy, you know, I'm a complete sucker, as we know. Anyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm just a sucker for anything sort of throwaway 80s like that. But I think that for me is is the term. The second one is throwaway. 
The first one isn't, and it has genuine depth and it has a content and even down to little things like the ethics of journalism. You know, there's so much to the first one. Mm. And um, whereas the second one, it's fun and it's a good laugh and it's kind of like a bit of chewing gum for the eyes, a bit of escapism, but it's not, it doesn't have anything like the depth and and, it it does feel, it does try. try. Yeah, it It does. It's not a bad film, I don't think. I just don't think it's anywhere near as good as the first. No, I mean, it tries, but I think, I think one of the big problems with that first, with the second film is that the seriousness of the plot, it could have been a really serious plot. The sort of like you know the the church and uh, the, the the nuclear uh, fallout uh, the dumping of uh, toxic waste. That's 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 it's Aaron Brockovich, isn't it? It's that kind of so yeah. it's, you could have done something along those lines with it. But for me, the balance with Chevy Chase playing so he plays quite a few characters in this. You know, where he gets dressed up as Ed Harley of the High Davidson, and then he gets dressed yeah. up to go on the on the um, uh, the preacher show. There's quite a few characters that he's doing in this, which makes it stand out. And Maybe I think a also, little too many. A little too many. And also, the problem with with the balance on that is that the the ministry, the Bible Land, the 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 the, pre, the Reverend guy who's on TV. Those that's almost like a character anyway. It's such a pronounced. Yeah type you know praise the lord you know it's very over the over the top in that respect anyway and also you set it in the set in, in the deep south sort of thing as well and the and the lawyer character is like out of a stereotype as well you know so you've got all these characters who suddenly it feels like it's a movie populated by characters rather than real people and when you've got chevy doing characters on top of that yeah, and Chevy's being... sort of playing half of the characters. Exactly, yeah. it's just too much. It's too much. Man. I'm not. I'm nodding along with everything you're saying. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, I think that's a really shrewd observation, actually. And yeah. I think that I think you've kind of you know you felt because it does have a a sort of plot that could go either way, and it does have certain you know on the surface it does have a lot of the elements that, to make it as good as the first. And I also think that um, I think at that point it, it, you know, and I again. To, to make another comparison to Beverly Hills Cop 2, <laughs> you know, I love Beverly Hills Cop 2. I'm a big fan, but it does feel like Eddie Murphy's completely let off the leash for that movie. And, um, you know, and, and, and in some ways, he, he, you feel like it would be improved if you just drawn back ever so slightly. And I would apply the exact same thing to, um, to Fletch Lives in that just, I think it would have benefited us. Chevy was such a huge star at that point, you know, people would have been forgiven to, to thinking that, you know, this is just a great stage on which upon which for him to prance. But actually, if he'd have just been drawn back ever so slightly, I feel like the film would have benefited from that, you know, as opposed to just letting him just go off. Yeah, I, I think that was that was sort of actor, actor power in Bye Bye yeah. the 80s yeah. was, 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 was so strong that people could do that. You know, you'd get into a, a sequel or a franchise even, and and you'd sort of be calling the shots in a big way. I mean, both both of these films are directed by Michael Ritchie, who'd made some great stuff in the 70s. And I think the difference between the two films, or one of the differences between them, is that uh, they're both directed by Michael Ritchie, but Fletch looks and feels like a Michael Ritchie movie. And Fletch lives feels a bit more like a sort of job for hire. You know, any anybody could have directed it. Um, any anyone capable of sort of handling an actor that's playing these sort of multiple roles or these multiple personas, you know. I think one one of the big strengths of the of, of the first movie as well, and again, people that have listened to the Cinelit uh, podcast over the over the months and years 
have heard us mention a lot of these names already, is in the really, really strong supporting cast. I mean, we, who've we got here? Richard Libertini, who we, who we love from All of Me, and Emmett Walsh from All of Me and Blood Simple, we love. Tina Davis in there, Joe Don Baker, Kenneth Mars, George Wendt, who I've mentioned, even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in there, who's, who's, who's great. And, and, and I think it's got this really strong sort of uh, knot of, of, of supporting characters. But I think that's good for Chevy, um, who, who again, was, was, was a sort of confident comic performer. But I think there's a difference between turning up every week on Saturday Night Live with your mates and being the lead in a big Hollywood movie. And, and yeah, I think absolutely. the pressure was on here, you know. And to be surrounded, if, if you've got that sort of pressure on you, to be surrounded by, by you know, sort of wonderful actors as these, just half the job, really. You know, they take a lot of the slap. I, f- I kind of feel for him, though, for Fletch Lips. Because, it, I mean, before Fletch, he'd done National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah. So he'd, he'd already done that role. He'd done Caddyshack. I mean, this was more in line with Caddyshack, to be honest. His character in Caddyshack was much more aligned to, to Fletch. But after he did Fletch, he didn't really do a character like Fletch for the rest of the 80s until Fletch lives. You know, he was in like Three Amigos, straight comedy, Spies Like Us, straight comedy. Yeah. Did, um, did John Carpenter's uh, Invisible Man movie... Um, yeah, that was after Fletch Lives, yeah, but like Caddyshack too. You know, he's like he did all these movies where they were straight comedies, really. Mm. And I can see them coming into Fletch Lives, saying, "Well, this is a vehicle for Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase is a comedy actor. We're making a comedy." And I think the Fletch brand, if you want to talk about it in Hollywood uh, now, deserved more detail in actually what what made Fletch good. It wasn't. Yeah the comedy, necessarily just the comedy that Chevy Chase brought to it. It was the seriousness of the plot. It was the yeah. balance between the, the, the intrinsics of the plot that really sort of like lifted that movie. By the time the first Fletch rolled around, they were making a Fletch movie. That was a Fletch movie yeah, yeah. that starred Chevy Chase. But by the time Fletch Liv came around, that's a Chevy Chase movie where he was playing Fletch. I mean, there's, and, and, and that... That difference is, you know, perfectly exemplified within the difference of the two films. And I think that the run of hits and a couple of misses, but generally hits that uh, Chase had had in the 80s, the audience kind of expects, you know, they, they want they want that comedy. They want this, you know, and as we know, it's incredibly difficult for a comedic actor. I mean, take Adam Sandler, for example. I mean, he's made, I mean, obviously, yeah, he's, he's just landed with um, Uncut Gems. But if you look at Punch Drunk Love, cracking film but nobody you know just didn't get that audience it's so difficult for a comedic actor to make that transition to a more serious role so you can see them you can you can see why you know it's it's quite clear why they were hesitant to make it too serious even as even to go as serious as the first one was and the first one was hardly what you would describe as a serious movie as we've already discussed so you can see why you know it was always it was almost a bit of a you know runaway train wasn't it it was always going to you're always going to collide with a wall at some point. Yeah, no, I think I think ultimately you needed Richie to be a bit more stern on it. I guess more more. I, I think again again he like, had the power to do that at that. Point. Possibly not. Possibly I don't, I don't not. Know yeah. I'm saying you did. No. 
Uh, I wouldn't have thought so now, but you, you needed that sort of like balance. Maybe a John Landis to come in, someone who did yeah. have the power. Yeah. I, I, I think the thing was you you got you got you got a director who was sort of on the slide and a star who was really on the rise, and, and they sort of met in the middle, you know. And uh, yeah, Richie, Richie, I think the Michael Richie of nineteen eighty five was already sort of on the skids a little bit, and, and luckily had a hit with Fletch. Um, and by '89, I, I, I think he was he was pretty much a spent force, you know. And and so all the other people were possibly, including Chevy, most likely were possibly calling the shots. And we got the movie that we got as a result of that. You know, I mean, Fletch Lives is good and entertaining, but but yeah, you, you can sense there are problems under the surface. Is is Fletch Lives based on one of the books, Adam? That's another thing. No, it isn't. It's an original story written for the screen. So it wasn't based on any of the, uh, any of the novels. Um, Do you know why that was? Why did they go down that? Don't know, because they would have had the rights to the books. I mean, they'd, they'd have licensed the books. I think they just felt like we need to tailor a script for Chevy Chase rather than adapt something that's already already been written that all, all that said I, I i do i do love that they don't just do the standard 80s sequel thing and remake the first movie you know it's a very different it's it's a it's a pointedly different film and i do admire that in it you know the complete change of setting you know slightly broader sort of comic tone to it but i think one that doesn't doesn't harm the movie and doesn't harm the entertainment value chevy doing even more of his sort of shit and his impersonations and taking on ludicrous pseudonyms and that sort of thing, but uh, it's it's just it's, it's a different movie. And I yeah I I do sort of admire it in a way for that because there were so many films where part two was just a retread of part one. And, yeah, and really this fair is... point. Yeah, really fair point. The yeah. books kind of follow that similar thing as well. I mean, the books in the first maybe couple of books is a journalist. But then he he hops around. He's, it is this one set in Brazil entirely. It's like a this mystery in Brazil where he's on holiday. There's one where he's the press officer on a, on the on the campaign trail, and and, and murder happens there. There's one set in Kenya. You know when he's in his early years. You know it's like so the, the books do bounce around. I don't know whether that's Gregory McDonald being not interested in making the same type of story over and over again. Do you know if the new one is based on one of the books, Adam? The new one's based on the second book, Confess Fletch. Um, so it's um, arguably the first two books are the best books in that series. So it's based on one of the two that were held up as being the best books. Did the books, were the books, did they continue to come out after the films or were they all written before the films? No, they were all, the, the, the six were written before the films came out and then they wrote another three Fletch books and then in the early 90s, he did two Son of Fletch books. So, yeah, so they were written afterwards. I mean, the books that I've got on my shelf, the paperbacks, have got Chevy Chase's face painted, painted covers with Chevy Chase painted on them. So, you know. I was saying to you earlier, when you read the books, do you sort of see Chevy as the character on, on the page? You know, I suppose it's, it's difficult not to. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was born in 76, so I wasn't reading these books as they came out. Um, so for me, that, my first my first experience of Fletch was was was, was the films. And I only, I only got into the books because I, 
I was in York and I managed to go into the second-hand bookshop and they had about seven of them all, all there on the shelf, like a quid each. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah. hey, it would have been worse if I hadn't have bought them. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I suddenly found myself in, in a position where I could read a fair chunk of the, of the Fletch series and I've picked up the rest elsewhere since then. What so, what are the son of Fletch books like? Are they are they? They're, I haven't read those yet. I'm, not, I'm, I'm that's where I'm up to with them. I've read all the Fletch books and the, and see, I think he did they, they bounce around in time as well. The Fletch books so they're not concurrent, following on. So some of them are set before the first Fletch book. So the last two that he published in the eighties were prequels of the early days of Fletch, which was which was the Fletch one was the book that um, Kevin Smith was looking to adapt. When he was involved in the uh, in the Fletch rights, I can't, I can't remember because I and I, I can't believe I've never asked Kevin about this, but for some inexplicable reason, I haven't. When Kevin was looking at doing it, was he talk? Was he looking at doing it with Zach Braff, or was he? I can't no, he, he he. Well, I think later on he was, but I think initially he was looking to do it with Chevy Chase and do Fletch three, and oh. it became difficult. I think. To yes, work uh, yes, with yes. work it out whether it was a deal making or whatever, it became difficult. So they, they decided to do Fletch One uh, as a as a as a prequel with Jason Lee playing oh, lead. Yes, that was it. I do remember. Uh, and then was... I think Zach Braff came on board later on when another producer got the rights, who was the producer who did uh, Scrubs. Uh, so the Scrubs producer got hold of it, and he was talking about him and think and Jason Sakidis has been muted for taking on the role and suddenly out of the blue they announced that John Hamm's not doing it he's filming it yeah it was like literally it was like there's no word and suddenly it's like we're on set (laughs) it's like you know I know I know it came out I hadn't heard anything about it I mean I I knew that Kevin was keen on it and I I, I'd and this isn't in any way first-hand info this is just what I've read and heard that him and Chevy didn't see eye to eye yeah, and that was the last I'd heard about it from uh, Kev's point of view, although I'd have loved to have seen him do it. I think he would have smashed it. Um, but it was so good to hear that they were on set filming. I mean, it's just finally, because they, they do feel like, um, you know, they do feel like great movies prime for a, for a remake. You know, I mean, I, I would argue you could you could have taken the plot. The plot's so good for that first film. They, they could have used that and redone it, but I guess so many people have seen it, but still. Yeah, it's a tricky one because it's so unique. It's memorable. Therefore, yeah. You haven't had time to forget it, you know. So when you remake it, you, you know it's what's the point, you know? Yeah, uh, and like and like Dom, like Dom said, it's it's a story that you could perhaps approach if you, even if you did the same story, you could perhaps pr- approach it in different ways. But I think audiences might react against that. They go into the film expecting a comedy now, and if you delivered anything that was sort of divergent. Yeah that they 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 wouldn't like it and it it'd be a potential flop so so yeah the only the only way i think is to do a complete retread of the first and what's the point of that you know i wonder i wonder how deaf they'll go then i wonder uh, you know tonally it'll be really interesting to see where this goes because i mean as you know nobody as far as i know knows anything about what they're doing with it i think john ham is cracking casting i love the casting he's not known for his for for being the comedy like like Chevy Chase's though, is it? But he's got a dry, he's oh, got no, a dry absolutely. sort of, you know. I think for that angle, he's definitely great. It's just like yeah. you do wonder whether they'll like. Okay, well, this is a comedy, but it's one of those dry, wisecracking. Yeah, comedies. I think so. Yeah. I, I think they'll probably go less broad with it, and and yeah, a little little bit more towards the uh, 
the 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 sort of rye sort of yeah rather than the big the big yeah, no, play exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah yeah which yeah. is what and i hope they do do that i can hear the director say put down the makeup put down the prosthetics the fake nose yeah. <laughs> and the teeth. we don't need fake teeth yeah i mean you know on 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 fletch lives you know there, there's there's i i love the sequence um the, the whole zippity do the uh big big sort of disney yeah. song and dance number it's great but you want you want to watch that for five minutes on YouTube. You don't want it no. in Fletchley. I think the problem with it, I mean, they had the, they had the Kareem Abdul Jabbar uh, dream sequence earlier on in in, in the first film, yeah. which but it was much more about like it wasn't it wasn't overtly spoof, which the dream sequence in the second one was was very much comedy spoof, and it was just like I don't know, it just didn't feel like they got it right for me. In that second yeah, one, yeah, I thought it was funny what, for what it was. But, no, it was, know, but, but I, I, the style of yeah. comedy was not like yeah, it was like. Yeah. But, but isn't that's, it that's supposed to I reflect think. what is going on in his brain? It's like it wasn't. It was just him having a pop at all these people and and gazing at a girl's boobs. Yeah, but the, the first one did have. I mean, the first one. I again to talk about that balance. They just nailed it. You know, like you've got a yeah. a, a perfect example of Chase's comic comic timing in the in the Moon River gag, which still oh. just drops me off my seat. It's so, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. funny. But then you do have like when he, you know, he, he takes on the more when, you know, in the more serious moments, he's completely believable. And that's actually more difficult to to pull off than, you know, than than might seem the case on the surface. It's very difficult to get that right. And I think he nails it. Mm. You know, I think um but as you know, we're just sort of we I'm retreading uh, trodden ground here on the podcast in terms of, you know, we've established the difference between the, f- the first and the second movie. And it'll be, I would imagine that the new movie would um, retread the, uh, the f- more the first and the se- more Fletch than Fletch Lives, which it seems from what you're saying, Adam, that Fletch was a lot closer to the books than Fletch Lives was. Well, yes and no. I mean, there was, there was certain characters that were, that were in the book that are not in the in, in the film. I mean, Gregory McDonald talks about the first book and the character of Bobby in that book was his sole reason for writing the book, and that character is not in the film. So, yes, yeah, it did who take character, some a character called it? Bobby in the in the book. And who um, was he? It, I think it was a female character. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I just remember, I just remember reading that that quote where. Whilst he was happy that the film was a success and it was a funny movie, he didn't feel like it was a direct adaptation of his book in that way, in some ways. Is he still alive, the author? No, he's died. But he, he wrote other stuff as well. Um, he wrote a film called Running Scared. Yeah, with... yeah I know the film with uh, Paul Walker. No, 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 no. Running Scared, 1972, Robert Powell. Uh, David Hemmings directed it. Co-wrote it. No, I've not. I've not seen that. No, no. So he he that was based on one of his books. Um, he also wrote a film. He, wrote, he wrote, I don't know. If it's based on one of his books or whether it's based on a screenplay that he wrote. The Brave. And it's based on a book. The Brave. Johnny Depp's directorial debut. Yeah, yeah. He wrote. He wrote the. He wrote the book of that. He apparently turned up on set with Johnny Depp, and Johnny said, "Have you read the script?" He said, "No." He said, "Good. You can fight me <laughs> afterwards." <laughs> it's just like. Great. Okay, this is going to turn out well, isn't it? <laughs> so he's not. I don't think he's had the best of luck with some of his stuff that's been adapted. But Fletch was a big hit, so that was fine. I think. Yeah. I think. I think you just got to accept, haven't you, that you know, once you sell the rights to, yeah. if, if you sell the rights to your book, then you know, it, it's just going to go whatever way it goes. You just got to kind of make your peace with it. I think. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I mean, the legacy's there, and we're going to get the new movie hopefully next year, uh, which hopefully should draw more attention to the books as well. Maybe a reprint series. Who knows? I'm sure it would. I mean, I would argue that without the movies, that you know, people wouldn't be having the conversations about. I'm sure there were great books, but you know, I, you know, without the movies, that doubtful to me that people would still be talking about them in the with the frequency they are doing now. Yeah, no, absolutely not cool lovely thank you very much guys uh, that was uh, our little take on Fletch and Fletch Lives and the Fletch character please do check out our Facebook page we will be back again in a couple of weeks time take care